Good morning, church. What a blessing. Welcome to everyone that's uh, coming in from around the Fruited Plains, as well as our fellowship center and our packed house here this morning. Preachers love a packed house. Uh, but we, uh, we'll preach to anybody, won't we? Mike? Oh, we will. We'll preach at the drop of the hat, and we'll drop the hat and then pass it. There you go. One thing I can't quite figure out, Mike, why does everybody want to put a pie in the face of Brian Rucker? I, I can't quite. Uh, he seems to be, is it because he's so much better looking than you and Bromley? Is yeah. that what's it? That's it. I think it must be what it is, but uh, you seem to be the front runner, Rucker, uh, which I guess you're just too pretty. That's what happens. But uh, it's all for a good cause, so I'm saying keep giving, keep dreaming, and uh, and we're going to enjoy that pie in the face. Amen. Right, Kelly? That's exactly right. I'm putting extra money in his bucket. Uh, we have a scripture reader for us today, Cash. Uh, Mac Mahan, come on up, Cash. He's 13. He's a uh, eighth grader. He plays football, and it says he's a great big brother. Uh, and I see the little brother down there. Now he's sleeping because we started talking. That's kind of how that works. There. That a little brother and a little sister is that right? Yeah. So probably because I wasn't such a great big brother, I was known as an antagonist. But I'm thinking you had a lot better material to work with, Cash. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're doing a good job with that. So we got our scripture. You ready? Yes, sir. Acts chapter 1, verse 21 through 22. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Good job, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Excellent. Good job. Good job. Hey, uh, before we get too far into this, hey, uh, Cliff, could you... uh, Turn these speakers off that I'm in. Uh, I don't mind you talking behind my back, but I don't want to talk behind my back and hear myself too much over here anyway. So, yeah, it's better. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. So we could have uh, this morning. We could have probably profiled uh, any of the twelve uh, for our sermon today. Uh, the twelve apostles. Our sermon is called "Witnessing the Resurrection," and Cash just read that verse uh, out of Acts. Because um, the witnessing of the resurrection changes lives. Amen. I mean, and, and we see that today already. Uh, we witnessed some new births and some resurrections. If you tuned in a little bit early, you saw that. Uh, and I love to kick off our time together by the witnessing of new birth and resurrection, right? Because there's power in that. There's the power in changed lives. But because we've been studying First Peter... Yeah. Uh, we decided to focus this morning on the life of Peter, uh, because obviously his life change was so powerful, uh, and we see so much in there. And so we want to talk about that this morning and, and what he witnessed. And so we want to begin that in Luke chapter 5, if you'd like to turn there with us, because we see right off the bat, we see this idea that we see this, uh, what, what was, he was called in Acts as an unschooled and an ordinary man. Now, he and John, uh, by, by the powers that be. He was just normal. He was a fisherman. But he became a fisher of men because of what he witnessed, right? And we see a lot of that going on. You remember the story in Luke chapter 5? Jesus is about to begin his ministry. And there's a crowd of people that is gathered to hear him preach. 
And they're down by the water's edge. And there's some fishermen, four fishermen that are there. And they're cleaning their nets. And there's some boats in the water. And I can totally relate to this, Mike, because this is how I grew up, me and my brothers. Uh, there were boats in the water's edge. There were always nets that were stretched out. And there was always cleaning that was going on. And there was always work that was progressing because this is what commercial fishermen do. And there's a little preaching going on. There was a little preaching yeah. going on at the same time. There was some gospel being shared. And uh, so in this moment, Jesus is going to preach to these people. But as always, sort of like the commercial fisherman that we hung around, Dad, he had a little bit something else in mind. And so he wanted to reach out to these guys that were cleaning their nets as well. So he goes over to Peter, who's one of the boats to belong to. And he says, hey, you know, I might want to use your boat as a pulpit. You mind hopping in here and us pushing out a little bit where I can speak to these folks? But we know that it had as much to do with getting Peter in the boat to hear what he had to say. Little we call that directional dialogue. And so as he's preaching to these people, Peter's listening to what he has to say. And so after he finished his sermon, he looks down and says, hey, why don't we push out a little bit and try the nets? And I love Peter's response because he realizes there's something special about Jesus. He says, well, Master, we've been working hard all night. We hadn't caught anything. But because you say so, we'll throw out the nets. Now, that's called a passive-aggressive way of saying, you don't really know because I'm a fisherman, but you sound like you know what you're talking about, so we'll try it for you. And that's what they did. And they had such a great catch of fish that the nets began to break, and he had to call the guys over. And any fisherman will tell you that the way to impress fishermen is to catch a lot of fish. And that's what happened in that moment. And so the results and the response was something very interesting if you look down in verse 8. And we learned something about Peter right off the bat. When Simon Peter saw this great catch of fish, miraculous catch of fish, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And a lot of times we've looked at that as a negative, but really I see it as a positive because he recognizes in that moment there's something great and awesome and wonderful about Jesus. And there's something not so great and awesome and wonderful about himself. And he makes that separation right off the bat. And that's the first step for any of us, right? To realize how great and awesome and wonderful Christ is and that we aren't him and that our sin separates us from him in that moment. You know, uh, Al, when I was reading this, rereading his story uh, earlier today, uh, I noticed uh, the thing about Peter. He has these moments he recognizes he's humble. He, he recognizes his weakness. And then he has these moments where he's ready to take on the world. And then that'll fall, and then we'll have another moment where he realizes his weaknesses, and then all of a sudden he's back up, ready to uh, take on the world. And, and so his his faith and fear keep this kind of battle going on, you know, back and forth. And uh, Jesus tells him, look, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. By the way, Jesus says, I will make. You can't make yourself that. Jesus makes you into something you've never been before, right? And so he does this, and he starts following. But then, you remember the, the time when he walked on water? And he's you know, all full of faith, right? Because the guys in the boat weren't willing to get out. But he did. He walked on that water for just a little bit. Can you imagine how that felt? Just that standing on water, but then boom, the fear, and he's down. And yet all of a sudden, Jesus is there to rescue him once again. 
And then later on, he's like, hey, I'll never forsake you. I'll, and oh, yeah, matter of fact, you're going to deny me three times you know, before the rooster crows. And so he's, he's very strong. And then, boom, all of a sudden he's weak. And then after, even after the resurrection, he's like behind locked doors, scared with the rest of them. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them all, and they go from mourning and grief and fear into a great joy. And I thought, well, if he can have that much falter and back and forth as he grows, then there's a little hope for me, you know. Because I have that same thing happening in my life. I don't know about you if you struggle with that or not. But there's times you feel strong and then times when you just know you blow it. And yet God still decided, I wanted to use that person to make an impact on the world. You know what I love is that Jesus didn't say when he said, I'm a sinful man. He didn't say, oh, no, 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 you're not. You're, you're, you're not sinful. Don't, don't talk bad about yourself. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, do not be afraid. In other words, he acknowledges, yeah, you're a sinful man. Everybody is. But do not be afraid because I'm going to make you a fisher of men, of people. So what he's saying is, is I'm big enough for both of us. As Mike said, I will help you overcome that fear. And so if we could just fast forward, if somehow Peter could have known from this moment in the boat, in this floating pulpit, that they could go forward in time to standing on a mountain just before Jesus was going to leave and him giving the great commission, that he would have a mission, that not only will you not be afraid, but you will share the gospel and it will go forward. And 2,000 years from now, people will still be sharing on Easter Sunday what I have done, and you will start that. Mm. That's the power of a resurrected life. And so Mike's right. In every instance of who Peter was, every time Christ was the answer to that fear. There's another instance that happens. Because the question becomes, right, what changed Peter? How do you go from that fearful person who seems to be recurring to being something different? Because obviously Christ could see it, but Peter couldn't. There was another instance in Matthew chapter 16. And this one was powerful because you remember the setting, you know, Jesus having all these people question him. And so he asked his disciples in, in Matthew sixteen fifteen, who do people say that I am? And they had all kinds of answers. Well, John the Baptist, you're this, you're that. And he said, well, well, who do you say that I am? And who steps up? Peter, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter made the confession that would become the bedrock for every one of us all these thousands of years later. Do you realize that? The confession of Jesus as Lord. We witnessed it here this morning. People are still making that same confession, that gateway into salvation to this very day. In fact, it was so important that Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This confession of me as Lord will be salvation for all mankind. And you hold that key and that kingdom of God is open for all. That's how important this moment was. Huge. And there's Peter. And he's standing there beaming like the guy that won the blue ribbon. Right? What a powerful moment. But then. Then. And then. Matthew 16. 
From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Well, that, that takes quite a bit of confidence. He just courage. said he was the Lord, the Son of God, the Messiah. You don't rebuke the Lord. Yeah, he rebukes him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And isn't that just like us? And, and there'll be times that we're really right there. We're saying, Lord, we believe in you and we're following you anywhere. And all of a sudden we get wrapped up in the concerns of the human world. And we get out of focus of what's really, really important. That's why we always emphasize the gospel. It's why we always emphasize the death, burial, and resurrection. Not, we don't want to get off target. We have to keep the main thing. The main thing, and the main thing is the story of Jesus. That's why it said in verse 24 of Matthew 16, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, we take that step towards what Satan wants when we don't deny ourselves. That's when we start telling Jesus, no, 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 whoa, 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 Lord. Let me just tell you how this is going to go down. And then we start to insert our will into the will of God. That's what he was saying. And look, we're not beating up on Peter because I don't know about you, but I fight this battle every single day. Where I'm fighting the will of Al versus the will of Christ. I understand the struggle. But when you look at this, you say, man, I relate to Peter, right? If only Peter in this moment could have fast forwarded to four years in the future when he's standing in the temple courts where he and John had just healed this beggar. Where remember Jesus said at the hands of the chief priests, I mean, all these things are going to happen. He said, this is never going to happen to you, Lord. Now he's looking into the eyes of the same chief priest, the same elders, the same teachers of the law. And he looks at him in the eyes and he says, you know, this Jesus who you crucified... But God raised from the dead. He's looking at the very same men in the eyes and saying, this is what God has done. What changed Peter? What allowed him to be that dynamic man that now he was in the shoes of Jesus being able to look these same people in the eye. The ones he said it would never happen. And he looked at them with boldness and said, you can do with me whatever you wish. But I'm standing for the will of God. So he went from being a fisherman to being a fisher of men. He went from Satan or from saint to Satan and back and forth. And he really goes then from denier to supplier. In John thirteen, thirty six, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, Where I'm going you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow now? I'll lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Three times Peter denies that he knows Jesus and grows more animated each time until that rooster crows. And then the Bible says the Lord 
turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Have you ever been there? He said, well, not exactly there. I mean, I've never three times denied Jesus. Have you ever been a denier? Broken? Hopeless? Shameful? Guilty? Felt like you just had nothing left? In that moment, all you had left was tears of despair? That's where Peter was. Some of you may be there today. A denier in the moment. So wanting to do the right thing. But in the moment, the time to step up, weakness overtakes. That's what happened to Peter. I mean, just hours before, Lord, I'll lay down my life. I'll do whatever it takes only to fail and to fall short. Peter had become a denier, and he was lost. And so what was left for him? Jesus would go on to that cross. He would die as he predicted. They took his body and they put it into a tomb. And I'm sure wherever Peter was, he felt deeper and darker and more lost in that moment. Until all of a sudden... Some of the sisters came running up to him and said, we can't find his body. It's not where it was left. And so he looks at John. They look at each other. And in John chapter 20, a race ensues. They take off running for the tomb. What's going on? And all of a sudden, you know, there had to be an excitement at his heart. Could something had happened? Could he be alive? And they get there, and John beats him to the tomb. John won't go in, but Peter, of course, he just barrels right up in the tomb. And when he gets inside, he looks around, and it doesn't look like things are strode around. It looks neat and orderly, and there are those burial clothes, and they're just laying there on the rock, folded up neatly and nicely. And the Bible says in John 20 and verse 9 that he saw and he believed. Even though he didn't understand it all, he believed and that's what changed him he knew in his heart of hearts that he had hope he could be renewed and he could be changed so jesus and peter had this conversation about love and remember he tells him feed my sheep do you love me feed my sheep do you love me feed my sheep peter becomes Eventually, this great evangelist and teacher as he feeds the sheep. And in the end of that passage, Jesus says, Feed my sheep. Verily, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Full of guilt and shame and brokenness at times. Yet now, as he follows Jesus, Jesus uses this man to change the world through the story of the resurrection. 
The story ain't about Peter. It's about Jesus and the change he can make in everybody's life. And that's, that's what it is about me and you too, right? We're all broken. We've all had the same moments in our life where we rebelled against God. We've all had those things that, that tear us apart inside. And yet the victory is going to come because we've recognized and seen the resurrected Lord. His body came out of the ground. I got Your body is going to come out of the ground. And that gives me living hope. But between now and then, between the, the, the cross and the resurrection that will happen again, but it's coming again, how do, we leave, how do we live now that we've seen Jesus? What changes? Because we really start the resurrected life by how it affects our life now. When we realize the gospel and it makes a change in our hearts and in our lives, all of a sudden we go from not, sin doesn't make you bad. It makes you dead. Jesus doesn't make you better. He makes you alive. And so we go from dead to alive, lost to save. So there's a big contrast between how I used to live and the life I live now. It's not perfect. There's still the struggles are still fighting. But because I have a resurrected Lord, I walk it with living hope. So from a denier, guilt, shame, lost, to a supplier now, feeding the sheep, saved, free, full of hope, fearless, and unashamed. If Peter in that moment in John 21 could have fast-forwarded to the moment where they were leading him, not by his own hand, to a cross of his own. And history tells us that he looked at that cross and said, nope, I won't be put on a cross like my Lord was. I don't deserve that. But if you turn it upside down, that's what I deserve. There was a man who went from denier to supplier. A resurrected Lord had resurrected him. And the same thing happens to us. One of the beauties of Mike and I getting to be here is we've seen a lot of resurrected lives. Oh, we've seen a lot of them. For many, many years. And today we're going to get to witness a few more. What changed Peter's life is the same thing that changed his lives here today. And we're going to take a moment to witness some more of those lives after Mike offers up a prayer. Father in heaven... We're so thankful, Father, for the goodness of your grace and mercy. We're thankful, Father, for the blood of Christ that takes away our sins. We're thankful in a special way today as we recognize the fact that the grave was empty, that Jesus' body came out of the ground, and that promises us ours are going to come out too. And So as we live for you, Father, we want change to take place. Thank you, Father. We know we have, we do not have the ability to take care of our own sins. But, Father, you have the ability to change our lives. And for that change, we are very grateful for the good news of Jesus and how it's changed so many lives. In Jesus' name.
How about some praise to God for some changed lives? Looks like we've got quite a few Peters in this house. Witness of the resurrection. A couple of weeks ago, Mac preached a sermon about the woman at the well. And he said, what's your story? And today we've gotten to witness some of those stories. But it's the story of Jesus that matters, right? That's what's made all this life change possible. And today we witnessed everything from physical ailments to spiritual to emotional, every aspect of who we are. Jesus' death, burial, resurrection is the answer to all of it. It's what changes any of us. It's his story intersecting our story. And it impacts us and changes us. It's not about information. A lot of us have grown up all of our lives with religious information. It's not about information. It's about transformation. It's not about perfection. None of us up here have lived a perfected life. It's about direction. But we do have a group of folks that decided to walk in the light, following the direction of Jesus. You can do that too. I don't want anyone on this Easter day, when you go to bed tonight, when you lay your head on your pillow, I don't want anyone to doubt your salvation. Be assured, Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead, and will come back to give us great victory. You can put your hope in that story. We already had a couple baptisms early before service. We can have more if that's what you need. You need to be baptized in Christ. That's what our invitation is for. If you just need to respond to, to get some sin or burden out of the way, that's why we have folks that pray with each other and share. We're, we're forever family. We struggle together, right? And aren't, aren't you glad you got a safe place to be to go on that struggle? So if you have a need, any of those needs, would you come while together we stand and we sing? Uh-huh.